disappointed as we don't go real deep in some of this, we'll come back to Ephesians 1 as we walk through the rest of the letter. And so we'll come back, and if I feel like I missed something, we'll come back and and look at it again. But I I want us to get a broad overview this morning uh, of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians that Paul wrote for us. Um, And so let let me just begin by reading the first couple of verses, Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in the Lord Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you. I pray that you would take these moments that we, we have together and that you would use them for your glory, that you would use them to change us, uh, make us more aware of who you are and to teach us what you want to show us this morning. God, help me not to get in the way of that. Help us, God, to have our hearts open to hear from you and to listen to you. And God, I pray that you would uh, speak into them and, God, that you would change us even now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I love history. Like, history is a, a big thing for me. I, I just have always enjoyed it. In fact, the, the most favorite uh, vacation Crystal and I ever went on was back before we had kids. That's not the reason it's most favorite. It's because we went to a place called St. Augustine, uh, Florida, it, and it's like the oldest city in America. Like it's 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 super old city, and there's a lot of history there. Like they they have all these forts, and they you know they tell you all these different things. You can go drink out of the Fountain of Youth. It's nasty. Don't do it. But I mean, so that's we just really enjoyed our time there. In fact, I was telling Crystal the other day, hey, listen, let's move to St. Augustine, Florida. And, and she was like, that's a bad idea. And I was like, yeah, well, this morning it seems pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, anyway, <laughs> we're not moving to St. Augustine, Florida, but it gets way too hot in the summer. But, but I, I just love history. I love looking at the why. How did we end up here? What happened to bring us to this place? Who, you know, what did these people that came before us do? What led us here? And so I love questions of why. Well, when we come to Ephesians chapter 1, Paul, is, as he writes to these people, he, he's telling them the why of salvation. He's telling them the how of salvation. He's giving us a history, if you will, of salvation. He's showing us how we went from death to life, how we went from spiritually dead people to alive in Christ. And so in verse 3, if you want to pick up here, um, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so Paul begins... Uh, to describe our new identity, and, and he does so by first pointing out that we are blessed in every spiritual blessing. With every spiritual blessing possible in the heavenly places, we've been given it. So the first thing we learn about the identity we have in Christ is that we are not cursed, we're blessed. We're not full of curses, we're full of blessings. You're like, I don't feel very blessed this morning. I, I get that. Some days we don't. But we have to be reminded of who we are. We have to be reminded what God has given us. He's given us every spiritual blessing. And, and then in verse 4, uh, we're going to run through the first part of this somewhat quickly, and just because I don't want to run out of time. And so verse 4 says this, Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. So how are we blessed with every spiritual blessing? Because He chose us in, the, in Him before the foundation of the world. We are not only blessed, we are chosen. Before the, before the world ever began, God uh, chose us. It, there's this picture here of God loving us more than we could ever imagine. Like He loved us before He ever hung the first star in the sky. I, he, there, there's never been a moment in history where He did not love you. 
God is at work in the past, He's at work in the present, and He's at work in the future. Uh, he's, He's the God of all three of these things, and in all three of them, He's at work for you. He's at work bringing about your salvation. There's never been a moment in the history of the universe, like before the world even began, God had a plan to bring you to Himself. That's the amount of love He has for you. That's the amount of love He is showing you. Like there's never been a moment that that God was not our loving Father waiting on His children to come home. That is the amount of love that God has for you. This is your history of salvation. Paul says here that we were chosen in Him before the, the world even began. That, that before God even began, like you and, and God's love for you outdates the first stars in the sky, the first trees, everything. So not only are we blessed, we are chosen. And he goes on and he says the why, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Think about that this morning. God, in His infinite love for you, wants to clean you off. And make you holy and blameless. He wants you to be perfect in His presence. We can't ever earn that. can't ever deserve that. Only Jesus can make us holy and blameless. And so Paul says, God determined before the foundation of the world to make us holy and blameless. And then as we go on in verse 4, in love, then verse 5, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace. And so not only uh, are we chosen, not only are we blessed, not only are we holy and blameless in Christ, we are adopted. We're part of God's family. Guys, this morning, you're not alone. If you are in Christ, you are adopted. Like you're, you're not an orphan. If you're in Christ, you have a family. You have a father. You have an eternal Father that will never cast you off. You have, a, you have a dad in heaven who loved you before he ever even made the world. He, he chose to bring you into his family before he ever even made the world. He was thinking about you. You'll never find a time in your life, you'll never find a time in the history of the world that God wasn't loving you as his own children. And he goes on and he says, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. With which He has blessed us in the Beloved. The Beloved, the grace that He has blessed us with in the Beloved. The Beloved is Jesus. Jesus is God's Son who He loves more than anyone and anything else in the universe. And Paul here, he ties God's grace and God's blessing of us and God's acceptance of us to God's love for His Son. This is important. The day that God no longer loves Jesus is the day He will no longer love those who have trusted in Him. That's never happening. Your acceptance from the Father is based on His love for the Son. You can't undo that. There's nothing you can do to undo that. He loved you and accepted you before the world ever began through Christ. Look at verse 7. In Him, speaking of Jesus, in Him we have redemption through His blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. And then verse 9 says, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ. And so there's a, a few different levels here of our history of salvation. The reason why we're accepted and adopted and holy and blameless and chosen and blessed is because of verse 7 through 9. It's in Him we have redemption through His blood. We can't pay for our sins. 
We cannot buy ourselves back. The idea of redemption is to be bought back. In other words, we were enslaved or we were owned by something or someone else. Sin and death. God bought us back from sin and death through the blood of Jesus. Because His plan from the beginning was to allow and to send His own Son to die in our place. The Father, the Father chose us and the Son, He redeems us. He, he, he buys us back from our own mistakes, from our own failures, from our own sinfulness. And not only that, it says the forgiveness of our trespasses. Because of what Jesus did, we can be forgiven. Where on our own we're guilty. On our own we're, we're, we are guilty before God and we have shame before God. In Christ we are forgiven. Like we no longer carry that shame. We no longer carry that guilt because of what Jesus has done. And, and you notice how far this extends at the end of verse 7? According to the riches of His grace. Paul does not say out of the riches of His grace. He says according to the riches of His grace. There's a little bit of difference here. Like if someone gives you money out of their pocket or out of their bank account, they're giving it out of, that's one thing. But if they give it according to how much money they have, something totally different. Like, if I give you money according to my riches, it's not going to be much. <laughs> All right? It's not that funny. Come on. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but if, if you get money from, say, Bill Gates according to his riches, which one are you going to prefer? Of course, he's the one with all the money, right? Paul says here that God gives us grace according to the riches of his grace. God's grace is infinite. It's never-ending. Like you can't ever get to the end of it. So how much grace does He give us? It doesn't ever run out. It's out of it. It says that He lavishly gave it to you. This is a, a wasteful love almost. He lavishes it upon you. And so he, he has redeemed us by His blood. He has forgiven us. He has given us His grace. And then verse 10, As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth, in Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Do you hear what Paul is saying? God is in control. We are not. God has been running things from the very beginning and He always will. God at one point says that He writes the end from the beginning. He's always on His throne. There's no one who outranks God. He's always the one who purposes and does what He wants to do. And He wants to save us. He wants to redeem us. There's nothing who can stop that. And so it's always been His plan. And look at verse 12. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. Verse 13 says, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we require possession of it to the praise of of His glory. Now, Paul is, is excited. And one reason why I wanted to run through that as quickly as possible is because this is all one sentence. Like, English professors would have a hard time with Paul. Like, the first, uh, verse 3 through verse 14 is all one sentence. Like, 200-something words in Greek. Like, he, he's just, he's excited and he's just laying it on, on top of each other because he wants us to see how much God's love for us is seen in the history of salvation. He's wanting us to see what all he has given us. And so, uh, he, he ends here with, not only have you been adopted, not only have you been accepted, not only have you been redeemed and forgiven and chosen, 
You're now sealed. So the Father chooses, the Son redeems, and the Spirit, He seals us. He makes us His. We are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and lives within us, and He's the guarantee of what God has given us and what God has promised us, which is eternal salvation in Him, eternal acceptance in Him when we believe. It's important. Like, well, God's done all this. I don't guess I have to do anything. Well, yeah, you need to believe on Jesus in order to receive this mercy, to receive this grace, to receive this joy. You must, this morning, believe. And when you believe, you are sealed. The Holy Spirit comes and lives within you as a reminder of the promises God has given you. And it's sort of like a a down payment to, to remind you of all that is in store for you until you finally enter into heaven. And so we have this new position with God, this new inheritance with Him. We are safe and secure in the Spirit. Then we come to verse 15. And we begin to get into the application side of this, uh, this letter that Paul is writing. And so verse 15 says, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give, you, give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Paul says we're called to a new hope. We have a new hope this morning, guys. Not, not Luke Skywalker, a, a real new hope. A hope that will actually for, give us forgiveness, that will actually give us grace. It, it, this new hope that he's offering to us is coming out of the world of darkness into the kingdom of light. Think about the people that Paul's writing to. I mentioned this is Paul the Apostle writing to the Ephesians. The Ephesians were a group of new believers. They, they didn't know a whole lot. Like, that's why he's giving them a history. Like, they, they didn't know what all the Jews had been through. Like, these are, these are folks coming out of paganism. So these are folks who spent a lot of time at the temple before this, doing all sorts of different things, trying to please all these different gods, all these false gods. And the deal with idolatry, in case you don't know, is it doesn't work. Like, you, you can offer sacrifices all day long to that piece of wood, and all you're going to get is a piece of wood. Like, that's it. There's nothing else they can offer you. But all of their hopes and dreams were built up in the idea that if they made enough sacrifices, if they cut themselves enough, if they, if they went to the temple prostitutes enough, if they gave enough money to this group or that group, that somehow the gods would bless them. That's where they were coming from. And Paul says, I'm praying for you that you would have a deeper knowledge of the hope that God has for you. This new hope is that you serve not a false god, not a dead god, but a living god. You serve a God who's not the taker, but the giver. See, every other religion, every other approach to this is these gods take, 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 but never give. God's approach is, is I give you everything. I give you everything that you have for all eternity. So Paul says, I want you to find the new hope that is found in Him. And he says, I want you to go deeper in the wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That's important. Paul is not saying here, I want you to memorize more verses. I want you to learn more theology. I want you to know more facts about God. He says, I want you to know God more. Big difference between knowing stuff about God and knowing God. Like, you can do a a Google search this afternoon and find out all kinds of stuff about me, I'm sure. Don't do it. No, I'm just kidding. You can't. I don't care. But anyway, but but you ain't going to know me. Not like my kids know me. My kids know that I'm for them. My kids know that I love them. My kids know that I'm going to do everything I can for them. 
That's what Paul wants these people to see about God. He wants them to go into a deeper knowledge of the fact that God had chosen them and loved them before the first star ever started to shine. Before anything else existed, God had loved them. He wants them to look all the way back in salvation history and see that they were always part of God's plan. That they weren't an accident, they weren't a, you know, a mistake, they weren't just a, you know, a, something that happened, but they were actually something and someone that God had loved for all eternity. He wanted them to go deeper into that hope. To get out of the mindset that it was you pay off the gods and they'll take care of you and into the mindset that we owe God everything because He has given us everything. And He is a loving God who is for us. Uh, for all eternity. And so, so Paul's praying that they begin to live out this new hope of who they are in Christ. And so we have this new hope and we have this new home, or you may even call it a new heritage. Uh, he says later, he says, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Remember, these are Greek people. These are Roman people. These are non-Jewish people. They didn't have the same heritage that Paul had. Their heritage was of barbarians and maybe some Greek scholars and people like that. And so when they look back in history, they didn't have any spiritual people they could look up to and say, I want to be like that. They didn't have any heritage. They didn't have an ancestry to boast about. But he says, now you do. You've been brought into God's people. Your new heritage is people like David, people like Moses, people like Abraham. This morning, guys, you, you may look back at your family history and say, ooh, <laughs> let's not talk about them. Paul says, look at your real heritage. Look at the, the heroes of the faith. They're your heroes. They're your family. You can boast about your heritage in, in these people. And so we have a, a rich heritage. We have a new home. We have a new heritage. We also have a new power. Verse 19, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power. This is still what he wants them to know. And was the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. He says, guys, you used to be hopeless and helpless, but in God, in Christ, you're raised up. You don't have to live like that anymore. You're no longer slaves. You're set free. You don't, you don't have to live in bondage. You can be set free in Christ. Like, there's no one and nothing that can push you around anymore because God has set you free in Jesus. The same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead is the same power at work in you. There's nothing left to hold you in chains. There's nothing left to hold you in bondage. You're set free. He says, I want you to know more of that. Why does he want them to know more of that? Because we forget that. Let's be honest, it's hard to remind ourselves that we're no longer in bondage. It's hard to, to not take responsibility and be like, I just can't help it. It's hard not to live in bondage to our sin anymore, but God has set us free. And so he says, I'm praying that you would get this, that you would get this new hope. Then verse 21, it tells us more about his authority uh, in, the, in the highest in the universe. L listen to verse 21. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named... Here's, here is what he's saying to us. The one who we serve has enough power to raise uh, himself from the dead, and he also is the highest authority in the universe. There's no one left to push you around. There's no one left to outrank the one you follow. And then the, the end of this, verse, verse, the end of verse 21 through 23, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Notice that there's no end to his power. 
and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Here's what Paul is saying to us this morning. The one who we serve outranks anyone in anything that would ever come against us. If we are in Christ, there is no one and nothing that can tell us what to do other than him. And so how do we respond to this? I have a couple of different applications I want us to look at this morning. The first is, is that we have to give up the illusion of control. We have to give up the illusion that we're somehow in control. Guys, history is, is God's story that he allows us to be a part of. It's not our story that God is a part of. There's a huge difference. As mankind, as humans, we tend to believe that we're the major players on the stage of history. Like, we're the ones who caused all these things, and we did this and we did that. But what Paul is saying is, if you look back before the world even began, God had a plan for you and a plan for salvation that he has worked out. And it's not dependent on you. It's completely and 100% dependent on him. You have to give up your illusion of control this morning. You're not in control. I'm sorry to disappoint you. You have to turn, those, turn that over to him. I know you probably want to be in control. You want to have the wheel or whatever, but you've got to give that wheel to Jesus, right? Listen to Carrie Underwood. She knows what she's talking about. But anyway, but so let, and then secondly, we have to let go of our history. We have to let go of our history. And what I mean by this is we have to allow God to forgive us we have to lean into the forgiveness that he's offered us. We have to be willing to say, Jesus, what you did and what you paid is enough. I can't add anything to it. That's tough, guys. I've been thinking about the Lion King all week. I know, not spiritual story, but, but I don't know if y'all ever saw the Lion King. I have. I have kids. That's my excuse. I think I might have seen it before then, but anyway... The Lion King is a story about a guy, you know, a lion who thinks he did bad, and so he runs off. Well, he's wanting to come back as the Lion King. And, it, and he's standing there, he's trying to figure out how to come back and, and the, you know, take back control. Simba is there, he's standing there, and he's like, I don't know what to do. And this monkey who's got all, all the knowledge, you know, uh, uh, Rabisi, I think is his name. I'm, I really have no idea. I, I should have watched it. But anyway, I, I just remember this, he takes out a, a stick and he hits him over the head. He's like, man, what'd you do that for? That hurts. And he's like, don't worry about it. It's in the past. It doesn't matter. And he goes, but it still hurts. He's like, yeah, the past does hurt. Guys, this morning, while your past is taken care of and while you are forgiven, it still hurts. Just because it is forgiven, just because God has taken care of it in Christ, doesn't mean it doesn't still hurt some. Doesn't mean that those things that you did or was done to you don't still hurt. Those are scars. They remind us of God's redeeming power, of His ability to take us and mold us into who He wants us to be. As long as we don't let Him overtake us. That pain sometimes reminds us, like I have a scar up here. It reminds me not to flip a CD case driving down the road. I don't know if any of y'all remember CD cases, but I used to have a CD case. It caused a scar and a lot of other problems. Not to me, but you know. They, but it teaches us, our scars teach us who we were before Jesus came. Our scars teach us that we would be much different without him. But at the same time, if we don't allow him to forgive us, if we don't forgive ourselves along with him, we'll never grow into the fullness of what he's called us to be. We will constantly be chained to who we were. 
Guys, our history does not dictate our destiny. Like our history, who our past does not equal our future in Christ. He has set us free. So we should live free. Quit trying to punish yourself. It's not your job. God already punished Jesus on the cross. Like, like God, Jesus didn't go Dutch with you on paying your bill. You know what I mean? Like he didn't pay, he didn't just pay half of it and say, you take care of the rest. He paid the whole thing, so quit trying to pay the other half. Walk free, walk forward in him. Quit looking backwards and realize you've been given a clean slate, a fresh slate. You are holy and blameless before God in Christ. When he looks at you, he does not see you. He sees his beloved. He sees his love for his son. Live into that. Live free. Remember, he knew everything before the world even began. He had all this plan, and he knew everything you would do before he ever saved you, before he ever redeemed you. He never says, oh, man, I didn't know you did that. Oh, I didn't know you was going to do that. No, his grace is infinite. So, so your history doesn't determine your destiny. Also, I, I just ask you to, to go deeper into God's family. Like your, your ancestry doesn't give you your identity, and the way that we remember this is that we're part of God's family. Like we've been brought into a new family with a deeper bond than, than human blood could ever give. Like we actually have the blood of God that connects us as a church family. Paul says that we've been brought into his church, into his family, and that we're the body of Christ together here. Like we're, we're part of the saints. Because the only way you're ever going to truly understand the fullness of God and understand the fullness of the hope that he has for you, full knowledge of him, it's my community, by spending time with other believers. That you, you, you need people in your life that it's okay not to be okay with. People who, when they see the real you, don't run scared. That you're okay being you. So that you can pull out all that stuff that you keep hidden. Satan loves darkness. Because when he's got you alone in the dark, he can beat you up. You bring a couple of people together and they begin to pray and they begin to praise and they begin to remind each other. No, no, God loved you before he ever made the world. Don't forget that, man. Don't forget that God loves you in spite of you, not because of you. We need that reminder constantly. We're forgetful people. We get so focused on our history that we forget of what God has given us. It may still hurt, but that's not what's important anymore. What's important is that we're walking forward with him. Also, that, that means that who your, your family was is not who you have to be. Uh, and then as we just sort of finish up here this morning, if we're going to walk into the fullness of God, we've got to spend time with Him. It means we've got to let go of our time. We've got to let go of the, the me time sometimes and grab onto the Him time. <laughs> Yesterday morning, um, Zoe wanted to go to the grocery store with me. Uh, and the reason why she wanted to go, I think partly is because she loves me and partly because we were out of Fruit Loops and she's afraid I was going to forget them. And so... We go to the grocery store together. Well, and on the way, she, she's listening to her headphones. It's like, listen to my song. She's like, I don't want to listen to your song. I want to listen to my headphones, right? It's like, fine, just ignore me with the headphones. I got you, right? Well, and then God was like, yeah, exactly. Re- ignore me with all the stuff I give you. Go ahead and distract yourself from me with all the stuff I provided for you. You know, I just plan to save you from before the foundation of the world. It's not like I really deserve any of your time or anything. If you're really going to get a deeper understanding of who God is and truly know Him, you've got to spend time with Him. And as you spend time with Him, you begin to see your new identity. You're not cursed. 
You're blessed. You're not beaten. You're victorious. You're not alone. You're adopted. You're not rejected. You're accepted. You're not guilty. You're forgiven and redeemed. And that's what God is offering you this morning. That is what God has given you. So be reminded of that this morning and live into it and remind each other. And if you're not, if you're not redeemed, if you're not forgiven, if you've never trusted on Christ, what are you waiting for? This is the best decision you could ever make. Like, no one's going to get to heaven and be like, I'm here because I'm so smart. I figured out God's offer was better than Satan's. Like, compare the two. Satan offers temporary pleasure, which leads to pain and hurt, not true satisfaction with hell at the end of the road. That's what Satan's offer is. God's offer is, is a satisfying life where you serve Him, you have meaning and purpose, and you get brought into a family that is for you and that loves you and cares for you no matter what. His Holy Spirit guides you and provides for you and He gives you satisfaction each day and power to overcome all the stuff in the world and at the end of the day, at the end of your life, there's eternal happiness waiting on you. I think I'm going to go with God's option. That's not a hard choice, is it? Then what are you waiting for? If you've never trusted on Him, trust on Him. And if you have trusted on Him, be reminded of who you are in Christ. We're going to stand now and we're going to sing and we're going we're gonna to praise Him for, for what He's done. And as we do that, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. And then, we're, then you come and you pray and you just ask the Lord to remind you of these things this morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank You. God, You're good and we love You. God, we thank You for all that You do. God, we thank You for Your grace and Your mercy. God, I pray that we would know more of You today as we leave here. God, that we would know more of the hope that You've given us in Christ. God, that we wouldn't walk out of here defeated, but that we'd walk out of here victorious in what Jesus has given us. Lord, I pray for those who don't know you that you'd bring them to know you. And I pray for those who do know you that they would be reminded of the fact that they do and that you love them and that you care for them. God, be with us now as we enter into this time. Bless it now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Take God.